CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This Ben Jaromsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinist and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time of the Ben Jarofsky Show. It is Tuesday, October 22nd. Lord knows when you're going to hear this. Uh, it's a podcast. Well, Dennis and I will figure out where we're going to drop it. Anyway, uh, I've been wanting to do this particular interview for three days. I've been waiting to do this, D. Ever since I saw this story break, I would loved this story. Uh, so we'll get in. We'll take the deep dive. I've actually been talking about it on the regular show already uh, today, Tuesday, but now it's a great opportunity to bring back an old friend of this show. And as we always do in bonus time, I ask the guest to introduce himself. So guest, introduce yourself. I'm Dan Mihalopoulos, and I am a reporter, an investigative reporter at WBZ, Chicago Public Media, 91.5 FM, and I'm a former reporter for the Sun-Times, as well as the Tribune. Yes, as well as the Tribune. Kind of, you notice how the voice died a little bit? Ah. Tribune. That's that's your interpretation, Ben. But I enjoyed my seven years at the Sun Times and my ten years at the Tribune, uh, both immensely. All right, let me tell you something about this young man here in the studio. We call him a bulldog because he is a bulldog. He's an investigative reporter. Did a lot of great stories. Yes, I'll give the Tribune credit. All right, Dan, since you insist, he did some great stories for the Tribune back in the day. By the way, I just want to say this: uh, let the record stand. A lot of great journalists at the Chicago Tribune sure. doing reporting. I'm not a fan. I'm just a it out there of their editorial page and their worldview but when it comes to the journalists the real people who make a newspaper uh they're outstanding journalists all right is that good enough danny no it's more than good enough all right more than fair and uh so anyway uh but everybody knows my favorite of the two (laughs) is the beloved bright one uh and uh anyway dan worked for the sun times and then he went over to be easy when i had a radio show before i got fired from having a big mouth uh dan was a regular coming on we talk uh take the deep dive and all the corruption stories around chicago and but this one dan i can't even get the words out let me just set it up and then you tell folks for a it. little bit but um someone sent me the link i can't remember who it was you won't believe this and i opened it up and it was a story you did with dave mckinney who's another outstanding journalist i used to work for the bright one and uh it has to do with the latest like wrinkle in the ongoing federal investigation into what I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's right. Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, and it involves the city club and it's a joke, a running joke around here because uh, I got roped into going to, being a guest on the city club largely because that man over there, young Dr. D goes, do it to promote the show. 
<laughs> so I went to the city. You were club. a little bit uncomfortable among the city's movers and shakers at the venerable city club. I, it, it was, they just like, didn't want to hear what I had to say. It was so obvious. You know, it was like, they're like, who is it? Why is this guy here? And yeah, I was maybe a little uncomfortable and you know, their worldview and my worldview is kind of a little different, but I mean, everybody was nice to me. It was not like they were mean. You were giving your uh, speech and I think the words they used were uh, wrap it up douchebag, right? <laughs> Did they valet your bike there at my channels? That is excellent. You went, you went there on your bike, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. As a I hope you found there's, there's no parking meters anymore for you to tie. No, there are none. To, there to, are to none. To. Yeah, thank you, Mayor Rahm. Uh, but uh, they gave me that certificate and this cup. All right. But since your story broke, I'm now afraid that the feds are going to come raid this studio. Uh, feds, I had nothing to do with the city club. All right. Uh, sorry. T take the deep dive, Dan, and tell us what uh, you and Dave McKinney revealed. So I guess you're probably referring uh, when you said you, you got sent the link to our story on Friday. Uh, so over the last few months, we've known about raids here and raids there and, and raids seemingly everywhere, right? But we have a lot of dots on the map. We don't know how they all connect. And I think we started to provide some of that connective tissue with that story on Friday, connecting dots between ComEd uh, Michael Madigan, and yes, the City Club, which was just another place that got raided. And let's back up a sec. For those who don't know what the City Club is, because I, I, I asked a lot of uh, friends of mine over the weekend and you know people that are in uh, other walks of life other than politics and media don't really know the City Club that well. It's, it's a place uh, where people get together for over 100 years. I think, uh, what is it, 1903 it was founded. And so it's basically a public affairs forum. So anybody who's anybody is running for office or, or is in a high level position in public policy and government will come and speak to the city club. And it's a room of people who, I don't know, it's a banquet hall, right? It's the banquet room at Maggiano's in River North. And you have platters of uh, chicken parm and uh, whatnot <laughs> that get passed around uh, and salad too. And, 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 you know, everybody is kind of noshing while they listen to either one speaker or, or a, a panel. And I've been on the city club panels at least two times that I re can recall. And, you know, you, you were there once. It's a nonprofit, nonpartisan group. So why are they getting raided? They have an office in the Wrigley building that got swarmed by FBI agents in May, in mid-May. Got a subpoena, got a search warrant. Well, the reason they were there is that the president of the city club is a guy named Jay Doherty, who's a lobbyist for Commonwealth Edison. And what we reported on Friday was not only did they raid the city club, much as, as they've raided many other locations in recent months, but they, what we were able to report finally was that the feds are looking at allegations that Commonwealth Edison hired politically connected people or companies, some with ties to Michael Madigan, the House Speaker and state Democratic boss, that they hired those people in exchange for official actions, such as rate increases, which would only affect roughly 4 million Commonwealth Edison customers across all of Northern Illinois, no, where, big deal. where the utility has a monopoly. So that was our story on, on Friday, and uh, we followed up with another story on Sunday. Uh, Dave McKinney and I uh, focused on um, the fact that Michael Madigan's name was in the subpoena that was delivered to the city club 
in May. All right. And talk a little bit about uh, Jay Doherty's significance and all this. He's the president, president of the city club. I'm not even sure what it means to be president of the city club. I didn't even know there was like an election that they had. I don't even know who's the member. I, is, is it a private club that you could be a member of? Is that how it works? I, I don't, I, I don't I know. know. I mean, the media is welcome to cover it always. And, um, I've been there a number of times to cover various people. I don't know what the membership is. I think it costs some amount. I mean, a lot of the people that you'll find there are either political operatives, uh, people that are in uh, lobbying and government affairs for big business, which are probably the ones that were booing you, I guess, um, just based on your politics as expressed in your column and uh, other uh, media content that you produce. Um, yeah. and, and their interests, I'm just guessing, don't coincide with your viewpoints. But um, in all seriousness, I think um, what happens there is, you know, it's just a forum. I mean, there's people from the left, from the right, um, and uh, from both parties that will uh, speak there and, and give their points of view. And Jay Doherty, as the president, is introducing the speakers often. You know, like one of the speakers that he introduced, without disclosing, by the way, as far as I could tell from the video, without disclosing that they were his client as a lobbyist at City Hall and in Springfield, was Ann Promajori, CEO of uh, first ComEd and then Exelon, the parent corp of ComEd, she just quit as the CEO of Exelon last week after uh, Exelon and ComEd received their second federal subpoena in recent months in this whole matter and disclosed receiving that, I think, on uh, earlier this month. And, uh, you know, she, he'll, as the president, he'll introduce them uh, as speakers, and he had only the most glowing words for her and uh, for his client which again, he didn't disclose as his client, but we're not here to police the ethics of the city club. Well, you are. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'll put it this way, and this is not what we're going to talk about, but I, I will just throw my two cents in. That part of the thing that makes me uncomfortable with the world that exists in Chicago, Dan, and you know this as well as I do, whether you're going to agree with what I'm about to say or not, is like there's the world that exists, and then there's the world as it's presented. So when, when we have a gathering of the movers and shakers of Chicago at the city club, everybody's acting as though they're all above board. It's all a legit process. It's not like everybody, they all know kind of how Chicago works. Do you get what I'm saying? We all know how Chicago's set up so the people with the least amount of clout always get screwed in this city. And ultimately, Dan, that's really what investigative reporters like you and Tim Novak and all the, the great ones here at the Sun-Times, Mick Dumpke, my dear friend, that's what all you guys are reporting about, ultimately, is how people in power manipulate the system for their advantage and the hell with everyone else. Right, but that doesn't happen in front of the whole banquet hall. At the, exactly. At the they pretend like it's not going on at all. <laughs> and meanwhile, well, they're no, all but, in on it. Yeah, but we go there and we, we usually will go up to some of the speakers who have been in the news and uh, try to interview them afterwards. Usually they'll take our questions. But ironically, Jay Doherty, who I've always found to be friendly, did not want to take questions. He went to the city club yesterday, the first day that they had an appearance. And remarkably, the speaker who went ahead and talked was the top law enforcement official of the state of Illinois, Attorney General Kwame Raoul, in his first term, in his first year in office. Goes as if nothing is going on. Today, though... Proves my point, Dan. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and what happened was Jay Doherty didn't want to take any questions. He took off. The chairman of the city club comes out and says, 
Jay Doherty is staying as the president. Why wouldn't he? Nobody's been charged. Well, what a high standard, right? <laughs> and then today, actually, we get a message yeah. late in the, uh, actually, late last <laughs> night, we get a message that Jose Alvarez from the Illinois Tollway Authority will not be coming. And indeed, that he postponed is the way they put it because of this scandal, because there's so many questions about this raid. But yeah, I think if you're the city club, you have to be asking yourself, why is there anything of interest in your office? He should have a separate, and I think he does have a separate lobbying office, your president, Jay Doherty. So why are the feds even at your office if there's a separation between your nonpartisan nonprofit and his lobbying operation, which had a number of clients, and I think most significantly among them, uh, Commonwealth Edison. Now, one of the things that you pointed out in your story, I think it was your story, I've read so many articles yeah. uh, since your, you and Dave broke the, the story on Friday, uh, is that Doherty is not required to reveal under state law just the extent of his lobbying efforts on a state level for Commonwealth Edison, but he is required uh, to reveal them with the city of Chicago. Do I have it correct? Yeah, that, that is correct. That's what the rules are. In Springfield, um, you have to disclose uh, who you're lobbying for, who your lobbyists uh, are, but you don't have to disclose what they're getting paid. And um, in Chicago, you do have to do that. And uh, we see that in, in City Hall, uh, I think he's been their lobbyist since roughly 2010. Um, my colleague, Tony Arnold, actually added up all these numbers. It was more than half a million dollars that he's been paid in the last seven years or so by this one client. Mm -hmm. And what do you think, do you have any uh, idea like what in the world federal investigators would be looking for uh, in city club records? Well, I mean, one of the things we do know for sure that they've looked at our, our correspondences with, um, that have to do with Madigan. I think what they, not correspondences is uh, the way they put it is items related to, that's usually how it's phrased in search warrants. And in uh, subpoenas, this was a subpoena. Uh, they also served the search warrant. I mean, they showed up and uh, people there, uh, the doorman told Tony Arnold that he remembers the day the feds came to the Wrigley building. They're coming in and out of this you know, landmark building on the Mag Mile. It's almost like a cinematic type situation uh, with boxes and you know, computers and whatnot just like we've seen at other places lately. Now, let me ask you this, uh, and I know you're going to be very reluctant to give uh, anything that would re reveal a source. So you're, uh, you, you handle this any way you can when I ask this question. Okay. All right. When, I'm when, not going to answer. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, that's off the record. Uh, no questions about Kim Fox. That's an inside joke in the show. All right. People have come in here and they go, don't ask me about Kim Fox. It's too controversial to touch. Nobody but, wants to touch. Nobody wants. Smollett. Yeah. That, all right. But anyway, so we, like, for instance, Alderman and Carrie Austin, there was a raid. It's like, seemed like every reporter in town was covering the, 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 the I don't know, was it feds, the FBI? I can't remember who went in. They took, came out with boxes. People knew about it. Yeah. Somehow or other, the feds got into the city club in May, I think it was, isn't it? May. Right. So this is October. You broke the story in October. Why wasn't there publicity about the raid when it happened? Well, they don't announce where they're, they've gone necessarily. Sometimes we notice it because it's a place like Marty Sandoval's office, Senator Sandoval's office in the Illinois State Capitol, and you call and they confirm it, but they're not going to proactively tell you that there was a raid. And so steadily, I think reporters in this town have figured out the extent of the raids that occurred uh, throughout 
the Chicago area in May, pretty much all on the same day, I think, uh, and not just in the Chicago area. There were basically four that we know about, uh, a couple of them that were first reported by us, a couple of them that were first reported by the Tribune. Uh, it included not only the City Club, but also uh, the former alderman, Mike Zaleski, remember, he was the Aviation Committee chairman, very close to the last two mayors, uh, Mayor Manuel and, and Mayor Richard M. Daley. We also had a raid at uh, the home, I think, in Quincy is where Mike McLean lives. He's a lobbyist that uh, goes back decades with Mike Madigan and was lavishly praised by Mike Madigan when he retired, officially at least, from doing ComEd's uh, bidding in, in Springfield and taking care of their interests there as a lobbyist. And I think what was the last one that uh, ah, the Tribune also had reported first that it was uh, the home of... Uh, uh, Kevin Quinn, right, the brother Marty of Quinn's Alderman brother. Marty Quinn, the alderman of uh, the 13th Ward, so, to, you know, an operative for the 13th Ward Democratic Organization in Mike Madigan's southwest side power base. All right, so... So a lot of dots on the map. Yeah, a lot. I think we're starting to see some trends now, but yes, it's leaked out and been reported out by various sources over the last few months. So uh, you obviously didn't know about the raid back in May. How did you find out about it? Well, I didn't know about the one in May. Um, we reported in July uh, together with uh, David Kidwell from the Better Government Association. We did a story on the raid at Zaleski's house. And that's when we also uncovered that there had been a subpoena sent to ComEd. Uh, that was the uh, that was a subpoena looking into their lobbying activities in Illinois. Uh, ComEd sent us a statement that ComEd hadn't disclosed it, but ComEd, after we called them and after we were poised to do a story, made a disclosure to the Securities and Exchange Commission of that subpoena. So that we found out from basically sources. I can't. I have to leave it at that. And then more recently, we found out kind of what they're going after here, uh, the sort of allegations that we're dealing with. We think that there are a number of people. I won't hazard a guess at an exact number. I have I have something of a ballpark um, number in mind, but uh, due to agreement with the, the sources, um, I can just say that there are multiple cases of people um, with clout getting hired. Uh, either as employees or contractors. And also, by the way, we reported first on Friday that um, some of these politically connected people who were hired, uh, who, again, I would name them if I, if I really could confirm what all their names were, mm -hmm. uh, but um, some of these politically connected people that got hired by ComEd were apparently, you know, ghost payrollers, or they were doing, as we put it, little or no work for the money that they were getting paid. So it seems that they were allegedly put on the payroll or making money off ComEd in exchange for favorable consideration by politicians in Springfield. All right. And so you, we talked about this briefly before you came on the air and uh, like hidden patronage. Right. Uh, in, in the aftermath of the Shackman ruling, which, of course, is a ruling that goes back to the 80s that limits the amount of patronage uh, any politician, any elected official uh, can have in order to have like a more transparent, uh, open government that that's the principle behind the Shackman ruling. So talk about the concept of hidden patronage. Right. Actually, the Shackman case goes back to the early 70s, I think, when it was filed. The Shackman decree at, at City Hall 
which uh, you know is no longer in force, uh, but um, because they they they've no longer have a Shackman monitor. Uh, it, long story short, it started right after the Constitutional Convention, the CONCON of 1970, where you know young lawyer, then young lawyer, sorry, Mr. Shackman, uh, Michael Shackman says, you know, there should be a rule that says that hiring and firing and promotions and all these personnel decisions at City Hall should not be subject to politics, except for a, a small group or a relatively small group of about a thousand people that are closest to the mayor and to that, that administration. I mean, you want your secretary to be someone that you can trust or your receptionist, whoever is taking your calls. You want your spokesman or spokeswoman to be someone that's uh, politically connected, maybe your department heads and some people near the top of all these departments, but most of the jobs should not be, you know, based on who you know, and it shouldn't be only, you know, we don't want nobody, nobody sent. Um, we should be hiring based on merit or at least not based on politics. That by and large did happen with the notable exception of, you know, the whole storage case at city hall. I mean, Patronage did continue to exist, but it's become more difficult. And in, in fact, it's become illegal to try to rig hiring uh, for your friends and for your allies and to punish your enemies just because they're not on your side politically. So what happens now is perhaps some a lot of that, uh, many people speculate, went into places like maybe ComEd or basically state regulated or government regulated utilities and other government regulated industries where they're not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. I can't go over there and say, give me a list of all your employees. Give me a list of all your contractors. Did you have a procurement process? Who bid on it? These are all things we can ask, Ben, and we do ask of government. And some of it's already online. But when it comes to a place like ComEd, I can't just go there and say, um, you know what, I'd like to see that whole subpoena because the Freedom of Information Act allows me to, mm -hmm. which we can do with the government agencies that get raided by the feds or that get contacted by federal law enforcement in Illinois. So in other words, uh, going back, I'm going to get into the subpoena question because that's a, a point I want uh, you to help people uh uh, understand but going back to the issue of hidden patronage uh, the suggestion is that perhaps instead of uh, politician Jones uh, hiring somebody who then uh, since he or she owes his job to politician Jones has to go out and campaign for him that's the uh, the constitutional issue, freedom of speech issue that Michael Shackman raised way back when in 1970 or 71. And would, prevailed. Uh, and prevailed, saying that uh, city laborers should not be uh, forced to go campaign on behalf of politicians. That was It was unfair to him when he was running for CONCON, and it, it violates their First Amendment rights. Right, so, and remember, they use this power to perpetuate their own power, to try to perpetuate it and make it harder for other people to challenge them because they're using our taxpayer money and our government resources to reward their friends or maybe punish their enemies, and that helps them stay in power. Mm -hmm. And so instead of uh, public employees, the suggestion here is that companies are hiring people that are sent to them by politicians and, and since it's private they're not you can't get a list of their what their employment roles their payrolls so you don't know you can't do what Dan Mahopoulos would do 
or you know take the name of a public employee see what who he gave money to right. and that kind of thing yeah you you can't get the payroll which you can get from a government agency so let's take an example which is not hypothetical uh we mentioned senator sandoval his office got raided we later find out when we finally do get the search warrant that they were asking for documents about commonwealth edison and certain unnamed individuals at commonwealth edison his daughter Angeles, Angie Sandoval, who ran for county board, by the way, and lost last year. Um, she works at ComEd in government affairs. Uh, do we know how much she gets paid? We do not. We hear rumors. We think that it's a considerable sum for a kid in her late 20s. Uh, but we don't know because if she worked at City Hall or if she worked in state government, we could look that up. We could look up her disciplinary history if she had one. We could look up what uh, qualifications she put forward. What were the requirements for the job? These are all things that we can get if somebody is uh, at the trough at City Hall, proverbially speaking, of course, or at um, uh, Springfield in, in state government, in county government, in some municipal government like Lyons or McCook. But we cannot get that information for someone that works for ComEd much as uh, we would like to and, and as much as ComEd relies on the actions of uh, people in Springfield f to determine its fortunes, mm -hmm. to determine how much money it's making and how much money it's charging us on our electricity bill. Yeah, that's well put, Dan. And so, folks, this investigation is unfolding. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, gangster movies and Law and & Order movies, okay. D. And one of my favorite movies of all time, I'm listening to you tell this story. It's just, I'm, I'm hearkening back to one of my absolute top 10 favorite movies. I've seen it like 20 times. American Gangster with Denzel Washington. I don't know if you ever saw it. Well, I gotta it. see it. No, I haven't seen it. Um, I love Denzel. Oh my God. Russell Crowe. But you're Training like, Day. Yeah. Uh, well, no, many the, other movies. The, okay. But the, in this particular movie, Russell Crowe is an investigator and he's putting together the pieces of a criminal enterprise. All right. And... In, in his room where he's collected his all-star group of assistants. Do you know what I'm talking about? They To follow the investigation, this is actually, they do this in all the movies. They have pictures of all the different people who have, as they uncover their connection to this ongoing investigation, and they want to put it together. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, and they want to get to the top and have, like, the central target. So are you like Russell Crowe in this? Is there, like, a hidden <laughs> booth where you and McKinney got, like, a wall filled with little pictures? Of I, think, I think you alone would compare me to Russell Crowe <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But, uh... <laughs> Gladiator, um, right? He was in that. Yes, thing. he yeah, was very he good. Was. Yeah, um, I think uh, I got to see that movie before I sign on to that comparison. But uh, and it's probably flattering, at least in in the uh, you know sense of my physique vis-a-vis <laughs> uh, -vis Mr. Crow. But um, I think that um, you know, yes, we are trying to put together uh, who, how these dots are connected, you know, yeah. and and we're and obviously these investigations are always looking to go up a food chain. They're looking to flip people, you know, meaning uh, who's going to cooperate? Is someone going to keep their mouth shut and be a stand-up guy, as we say here? Or is he going to be a red? Is he going to be a beefer? Is he going to be, uh, what are all the other words that they know. have for people who are not stand-up guys? You know, is he going to cooperate uh, with the feds? And, um, you know, some people have cooperated already in various investigations that are swirling about. We should add that nobody has been charged yet. 
uh, in the state uh, comed, whatever you want to call it, investigation. And no, I don't know if it has a name. You know, in the past we had Silver Shovel and Grey Lord, mm-hmm. and what else did we have here in town? Board games, uh, Operation Board Games. Uh, you know, what is this one? Uh, hired Truck, uh, another truck. one that came from yeah. this newsroom at the Sun Times. Uh, originally, uh, and Tim Novak and Steve Warmbier, you know, is there going to be a name like that? Um, right now, I would just say this, you know, we know that there have been raids in Springfield, Quincy, Chicago, the City Club, uh, the villages <laughs> of Lyons and McCook, uh, the offices of the Asphalt King of Illinois in Bartlett, yeah. which I went out to, um, Michael Vondra, uh, where else did they go? This uh, red light cameras, video gambling is is on the grill as well. Um, you know, and ComEd. Uh, some of these don't connect, and some of them do. Yeah, many or, of them. Or, do. Or we don't know actually which connects and what doesn't connect. All right, now final question, and this uh, you give folks a little lesson here. Uh, you mentioned, alluded to this when you came in. And Dan and I have a long history here. I'm just going to say this. He writes investigations, and then I come in and write about how difficult it was to get the info. I love doing FOIA stories. Everybody knows one of my mini obsessions. You do a good job of explaining it in a way. I mean, I bring it up at, like, dinner parties, and people, like, <laughs> walk to the other side of the room. They'd rather watch the Bears <laughs> offense than hear me talk about freedom of information. I request. can't imagine anybody choosing the Bears offense over anything that is the worst offense i'm sorry dan this is a tangent within a tangent a disgrace to the city of chicago that offense anyway uh, i love but, tangents within uh, tangents, tangents. russian uh, nesting doll of uh but uh ed going back to uh your your endeavors to get information for the freedom of information act is a, is a state law uh that requires public bodies to release uh, information that should be released to the public so the right. first documents, book, documents essentially, yeah. so my always question is always well if it should be released to the uh the public why are we having to petition the government to release it uh, that is a philosophical question i'll put to the side for another time uh, some things are online some things are online. Heavy emphasis on the word some. Uh, and, and nothing anybody would want to see is online. They don't think the payrolls are online now for Fair most enough. government, you know, Fair city, enough. county. I sit corrected. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that you said when you came in here was that the names uh, uh, on these subpoenas, uh, these federal subpoenas were uh, redacted and you had to go to court. Uh, to get them. Right. So explain to people exactly what what you're talking about. So usually what happens uh, when you find out that there's a raid, as we did, uh, what was it, last month, uh, September 24th, I think, was, uh, it's hard to keep these all straight. Uh, well, there were raids, in, like we said, in Springfield at Marty Sandoval's office in the Illinois Capitol. Uh, there was uh, raids in uh, village halls in a couple or, or three south suburbs. I think one of them wasn't technically a raid. It was a law enforcement action. Anyway, whether they're delivering a subpoena, which says, please give us these things by X date, or a search warrant that says, here we are, open the damn door and let us in, and we're going to go through all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of what the case may be, in Illinois, historically, and for at least a decade or, or more, uh, it's been a public record, indisputably. So somebody gets a subpoena, you send them a Freedom of Information Act request, you ask for all subpoenas, they have to give it to you. Uh, well, this time, to Senate President John Cullerton, uh, and I don't know what his motivation was or what 
lawyers were telling him to do this. Maybe it was his in-house counsel. I can talk about it now that the case, I guess, is over a little bit. You know, they didn't want to give it to us. They did not want to release all the names. Del- gave it to us, but it was blacked out. Like, you know, sometimes you see these files from the CIA that are just like hundreds of pages of just blacked out, redacted is the, is the legal term. It's redacted. It was all redacted. So we sued them. Uh, we, meaning WBZ, Chicago Public Media, being the plaintiff in that case. We sued the Illinois Senate almost immediately, like within 24 hours of getting this denial or getting these redacted documents. And I'm, I looked online. I think we alone sued the Illinois Senate. Uh, then it became a game of monkey see, monkey do. The village of Lyons and the village of McCook, population 228. <laughs> they all decide that they're going to do the same thing. In fact, Lyons didn't give us anything. They just sent us, it looked like a ransom note. And it says, we will give you no information. And they're like different fonts. And some of yeah. it was bold and some of it was caps. And I'm like, who is this from? Hannibal Lecter or their lawyer? And they all are they decided, the same. Yeah, they all decide. And you know what? We, at that point, we're like, well, we have to sue them too so matt topic who's a tremendous foia lawyer he's represented the sun times he we join in uh, on suing lions with the bga we sue mccook with the sun times and like i said we sued uh, first the illinois senate and they start falling like dominoes so just as as quickly as they made up that they, you know one their argument was the feds told us not to give it to you well i, I don't believe that I just don't. and I, Or at least let's put it this way. When we asked the Illinois Senate for proof that they had correspondence from the feds telling them not to release it to us, they found no responsive records. Mm-hmm. So this was the backstory, and boom, 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 they all folded. Uh, Lyons, I think, just uh, sent us uh, the document at 10 o'clock at night one, one day of the week. Uh, Dave McKinney got it, um, and um, you know we started uh, bouncing it around with our partners on, on the lawsuit. And you know, that's how we found out, really, officially what they're looking at and what they're asking for. That doesn't mean we know all of what they suspect. Uh, we have a little bit of a... Of a inkling of what they found because when they leave they have to give what they call a receipt or a return of what they took you know they took stuff about the mayor of mccook's heating and air conditioning at his house and the (laughs) mayor of lyons uh there was something to do maybe the home security system if i recall correctly so yeah that was our foia battle and i'm really into it and uh i'm I'm much more into it than i am uh you know interested in the bears offense oh bears offense is terrible uh but no i love foia stories and the you know, I used to say that uh, the city under Mayor Daley was the worst uh, for FOIA. McDumkey, our good friend, we we debate this. Was Rom worse than Daley? Mm. Uh, Rom was not much better. Yeah, he was not much better. Uh, Mick kind of defends Rom a little bit. It's interesting uh, on this on this very narrow issue of who is worse. Mick defends Rom. Yeah, well, okay, uh, very uh, narrow issue on this. Okay, <laughs> not yeah. overall defending Rom. Let's get that clear. Uh, but I'm starting to think that the city of Chicago may not be as bad as like some of these southwestern suburbs that you just alluded to. Uh, the Democratic Party of Illinois. We we have a smaller sample size with the village of McCook, population 228, but... Fair enough. I, you know, it's hard to say. The, the I think the more interesting issue for me now is, will Lori Lightfoot, quote, you know, hashtag bring in the light? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, we have filed one suit against them, uh, and I think it was the only one I know of that's been filed against them so far. 
uh, over the references for the chief of staff to Kerry Austin on his job application. We wanted to know who the references were and they blacked that out and we sued them. And I think we're in the process of settling. But, you know, we, we went back and forth with them. It, it was a ridiculous argument. It's a, we don't want to give you the references for Kerry Austin's chief of staff, who gets paid, by the way, about 120 grand in taxpayer money. We, we don't want to tell you who his references are because it would violate the privacy of the people who recommended him. I wow, staggering. Yeah, no? and that's the new administration. Yeah. So I, I think they're going to settle that with us. I have no uh, idea what right say it publicly. Yeah. until until it happens. But uh, you know. I, I was a little bit disappointed there that I think uh, they are taking some of the same positions uh, with, with regard to public information transparency when, um, you know, they follow uh, an administration that promised to be transparent and was, was quite opaque in many I ways. I think there's a knee-jerk reaction that happens, Dan, when they get power, people get power, uh, then they just want to withhold. They want to, they, they feel it's like they want to hold on to it. And one of the, and information, as you know, is power. That's why reporters right. are always digging for information. Right. And so they withhold power. It's just an instinctive reaction. It, I just seen it happen across the board so many times. It's easy to get cynical in this town. Right. But why is John Cullerton protecting Marty Sandoval or is he protecting himself? Why was, uh, yeah, Lori Lightfoot's administration, at least her human resources department, protecting Carrie Austin and her chief of staff, who are also, as you mentioned, been raided and are under federal investigation. And sometimes, and, and my answer to that, without knowing the specifics, in a general sense, uh, is you you establish a a, prince, a precedent. If 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 Lori Lightfoot gives Dan the information he requests, that will encourage Dennis to uh, pick <laughs> request information and Ben to request. So in other words, as an instinct, their instinct is to say no. Self-preservation. As they view self. And uh, so it's, that's just my reigning theory at the moment. All right, Dan, uh, before I let you go, I'm not going to let you get out of this room, okay, oh, without the tough basketball. question. Yes. Yeah. People may not know this about Dan. They, oh, he's a great investigative reporter, files all these FOIA stuff, drives politicians crazy. He's utterly obsessed with basketball. It kind of conceals it. I'm one of the few people who knows it. His particular love is a basketball player for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, who's affectionately known as the Greek Freak. I don't think Dan has ever loved anybody as much as he loves the Greek freak other than people in his family. Well, I love my daughter yeah. more, but my daughter <laughs> and my wife, but my, my daughter uh, loves um, Giannis more than me. So <laughs> well, she, no, she loves you more than she loves Giannis, but she loves Giannis more than you love Giannis. Is what I think. No, no, no. She loves Giannis oh, okay. more than me. So trying to help we, we went to the rally in the summer when he got the MVP yeah. and she saw him. And I think I saw, she yeah, you sent video. me a, I said, you sent me a video yeah. and, and I can't, she has a Jersey now, a Greece Jersey, Greece national team Jersey of Giannis that I, my mom brought back. And there's Greece. no Bulls fan in her at all. She doesn't like any. She's only nine. I mean, she hasn't uh, been around uh, during the time of uh, when the Bulls were good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time like, ago. When I was uh, Dan, in it was high long. school and you, college. Yes. All right. So here we go. These are the questions. We have this contest here oh. on the show. Uh, it's a competition with Joe Colley, who is the Chicago Sun-Times Bulls beat writer. He came on the show. He made his predictions. Dennis made For his For the NBA this season? For the NBA. So number one, who will be in the finals of the NBA? Okay, I'm going to take the Bucks out of the East, and um, I think Golden State. 
out of the West again. Wow. Golden State? You don't think so? Did, no. <laughs> Is Clay Thompson even going to play this year? He'll be back I in like March. Think, I still think. I know they they folded pretty bad in the finals. Wow. But I still think it's unbelievable. Uh, more think than the Lakers, are, more than the Clippers, more than the Rockets. Maybe the Clippers with the movement with the moves that they've made. Uh, I, you know, I love Kawhi, and uh, well, I respect him hugely because he took out the Greek freak and uh, took out everyone again on a second team. But to be a champion with a third team. Especially the Clippers, who you know have a history of always. All right, you going with Golden State? We'll stick with it. I'm MVP. Gonna, MVP. I, I believe a lot in uh, in Steve Kerr. MVP will be maybe James Harden wind enough to win it again if he scores thirty five points a game. Maybe James Harden. All right, you going I just with don't. Uh, He's going with James Harden as MVP, Coach of the Year. Coach of the year, let's say maybe Coach Bud repeats if he can get them to the finals. He loves the Bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, what is the oh rookie of the year? That'll be our last one. Rookie oh, of the rookie year. of the year. Uh, what's a big guy? Uh, He's hurt already. Six. He's already hurt. Weeks. Yes, Zion Williamson. I'm, yeah, Zion. I must have missed that in the past yeah, month of federal raids happened. around here. <laughs> just kind of all those foyers. I'm trying to block out the preseason because it's so insignificant. All right, I mean, he's. I'm going to give him a prediction. I'm going to give him a who Who did you go with? You went with Moran, uh, Rookie of the Year. Oh, uh, John Moran. We'll yeah. give him John Moran. John Moran, he's a point guard for uh, Grizzlies. Grizzlies. There we go. I gave you John Moran. If he wins, right. you owe it to me. Do you think Sederanski will take the Bulls to the playoffs? Yes. Y-E-S. I mean, you're asking him. <laughs> I love the Bulls. You've got to bring you up to Milwaukee. See the new you know arena. What? You still haven't been there. I, I would I'd love to go with you and your daughter and uh, to go to Milwaukee. I, uh, My uh, son-in-law is from Milwaukee. Uh, my daughter married a cheesehead. And uh, I've welcomed. I've welcomed. Yeah, he loves the Packers. He wears a little Aaron Rodgers shirt all the time. He loves his Packers. Uh, he watches them all the time. So you know, I'm very open-minded, Dan. I've welcomed him like a son into my house. Uh, but he loves the Bucks and the Greek Freak. And, and it's so, so much cheaper, man. You can't believe it. It's like you're in another country. All right, it's like I will 15 make that box to park. And uh, I will make the pilgrimage with you. Uh, I do love Giannis. The season we're going, uh, and I'm really hoping that the Bulls can attract him to Chicago. I don't see it happening, but wouldn't that be great if he were playing for my hometown, beloved Chicago Bulls? You think he'll stay with the box? Yes. Though? You think he'll he'll resign the supermax contract? Y e s underscore. Oh. He is going to be a buck for life. Talking about Giannis. Giannis. I'm going to say he goes to Golden State. Wow. Whoa. Get out the bunk. That's correct. That one. <laughs> Just think about that, uh, the bounce pass that uh, Steph gave him in the All-Star game. Yes, that was a hell of a bounce. They went in for the done. slam. Golden, uh, the Warriors the call on that in Greek. Warriors won't do great this year, and they're going to try to rebuild like crazy next year. And they'll get Giannis. Giannis. And you then think they won't make it anywhere near the finals. No, I think that was one of the worst the bets seed. I've ever heard. And I love you dearly, but that was the worst <laughs> bet I've ever heard. I still like him. I just think they got the culture there. And I know, yeah, you know. The culture does I mean, not play defense so, or grab rebounds. Right, but I mean, they had like five all-stars last year and they didn't win it, but they just kind of, you know, the injuries got to them, but. I still think um, I still think they've got the winning culture there. I mean, who in the West are you picking? Oh, I picked the Clippers. Yeah, and you picked the Lakers. The right? Lakers, yeah. And Joe Cowley, who did Cowley pick? I can't remember. Uh, Cowley picked the Lakers and the 76ers? I yeah, think? Or, no, he may. That's have not a bad pick. Uh, yeah. Wait, real fast. Uh, Cowley picked. 
I can't even read my own writing. Oh, yeah, six. Very cool. Oh, what a memory. I do produce this show. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough basketball talk. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Uh, we'll get you back uh, when, when more of those dots are connected. Yeah. And when the movie comes out, it'll be uh, Russell Crowe playing the role of Dan, right? We all, all agree right. on that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Not Russell like, Crowe, where he like, played Dick Cheney. Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, wait. What, well, that was not Russell Crowe as Dick Cheney. Oh, oh it was Christian man. Bale. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. But Russell, Russell Crowe. You, you go up to the emperor and say, the time to honor yourself has Russell. ended majesty. Wow. You can quote from wow. Gladiator. What, what movie did Russell Crowe Ru- beef up for? Well, he he's. I, I think like he's just in general beefy oh, now. I think up. Russell right. has been eating a lot of chocolate chip ice cream or something because he's right. a beefy feller. <laughs> uh, but uh, back in the day when he did American Gangster, he was looking uh, very slim and trim. And uh, But uh, actually, the star of that is Denzel Washington. I've never been compared to Russell Crowe. Well, uh, uh, I had been compared when I was a young 150-pound uh, teenager to Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid. Oh, you can yes. see that. Yeah, you can I see that, right? <laughs> but Russell Crowe, never. Oh, karate Kid. All right, Dan, very good. Excellent job. Thank you so much. This is Ben Jarofsky. It's the end of another Ben Jarofsky bonus show. Take care, everybody.